All right, Robert, you ready? Hit it. This gets me fired up right here. Mm. It's the heart pump. The blood flow. Ladies and gentlemen, hailing from Concord, North Carolina, in the blue corner, is your opponent tonight. Weighing in at 237 pounds of twisted steel and apologetics appeal, Robert... Rain Man Mayfield! Now, coming to the blue corner. He's so radical in evangelism. He's so radical in apologetics. He will do exegesis throughout the scripture. Jesse, the radical Watkins! All right, we're going to get straight into it today. So uh, we've got a different little intro. Uh, I was listening to the Apologia podcast, Apologia Radio, right? Uh, for our Gospel Defender listeners. It comes highly recommended, Apologia Radio, on your uh, podcast subscriptions if you're looking for that. But uh, anyway, I found this guy named Hazakim, and they were interviewing him. And he is a uh, Christian rapper who is reformed. Mm. And so he started playing this. Uh, I-, I started looking him up, and he played this song. And then I'm going to see if you can... Did I tell you who the who the preacher was? Yeah, I think I did. You did, you did. But anyway, I'm not going to tell the listeners. I'm going to let them listen to it, see if anybody can guess it. Because it's pretty cool. First time I've ever heard a preacher being sampled into a rap song. Okay. All right, so this is going to start off our discussion today. Here we go. reason the good news is so good, we're all condemned deserters. You know what my Heavenly Father said? He said there is... None good. No, not one. And yet some of you think you're going to go to heaven because of your goodness. If you believe that, the gospel will never be good news to you. Oh, yeah. Kiss your cross and count your knees while praying that. in monasteries. Repeat a thousand. Our fathers recite to million Hail Marys. But oh, these yeah. things are not necessary on that day when we're buried because there's... None good. Sing the Shema, perform all the mikvahs, celebrate the high holy days, and separate all your dishes. But apart from the sacrifice for sin, there is no remission because there's no God, no one. Morally, all the deeds of man are horribly gory. Categorically, all humanity falls short of his glory. It doesn't matter if to your country you sworn your allegiance, or if you've been adorned with prestigious awards and achievements. The prettiest in your rita with the prettiest features next to a holy God is spiritually a hideous creature. Yeshua isn't impressed with popularity either because there's no good, no one. Mention the name of Jesus as you take an award Have a great credit score and even gave to the poor Even if you participated in a race for the cure We're in danger, our simple nature greatly angers the Lord Four candlelit vigils in memory of a victim Donate your clothes and feed the homeless Volunteer in soup kitchens A law-abiding citizen with a respected position But still So I wonder what they're trying to say in that song It's, uh I don't know if it's very clear I mean, it's pretty clear to me that they're saying that everyone is good And that, uh it's based off of your righteousness. Yeah, I think they say we can all get into heaven by, you know, our works, by following the law. You know, just by, uh, uh, you being know, a good person. Praying 10,000 Hail Marys in the monastery and sanctuary and all those things. I literally thought the rapper was in front of me just then. That was so good. Well. Can you do the uh, no, not one? <laughs> no, good, no, not one. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's definitely quoting Romans chapter 3 where it says... Uh, Starting in verse 10, as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. 
they have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. Mm. Mm. I think the scripture preaches for itself. It shows us that our righteousness is filthy rags compared to a holy and righteous God. You know, in 2013, I started preaching through the book of Romans. And I can remember, you know, you have those moments in your life that are paradigm-shifting moments. And I can remember coming to that section of Romans chapter 3, which the whole chapter 3 I seen uh, uh, is like about the depravity of man. Right. And the insufficiency of man to earn his righteousness. And it says there is none who seeks God. Mm. There is none who understands and I just remember having this like mind-blowing revelation of God's sovereignty and salvation. This whole song, this scripture, makes me think about a hymn that I found yesterday. I was browsing through the hymnal, which is what preachers do because we do weird things. This is a hymn in the Baptist hymnal, number 289. It's called, My Lord, I Did Not Choose You. I'm going to mm. read it. Let me know if you've ever heard this or not. Okay. I've never heard it. Go ahead. It's been written by a guy named Josiah Condor. Does Josiah it, Condor. Does it have the year that it was written? Uh, he died 1855, so it was somewhere in between about 1800 and 1850. Okay. All right, here, here, here's the first verse. My Lord, I did not choose you, for that could never be. My heart would still refuse had you not chosen me. You took the sin that stained me. You cleansed me, made me new. Of old you have ordained me that I should live in you. All right, here's verse 2. Unless your grace had called me and taught my opening mind, the world would have enthralled me to heavenly glories blind. My heart knows none above you. For your rich grace I thirst. I know that if I love you, you must have loved me first. Wow. Oh, good gracious. None, no. not one. <laughs> oh man, that I is mean, some that, good stuff. I've never heard that. My, I can't my, even. I can't even believe that's in the Baptist hymnal. Worship team, we're leading that two eight nine. Come we're on, have to tell Pastor two eight nine. I don't even know how it goes. Mm. We're gonna have to look that up. You have to. I think you're gonna have to make a song, play it acoustic. I might have to do that. No, Let not one. Tune. Man, that's some good stuff. But I think uh, so. Anyway, for our listeners that didn't know, the preacher there was Johnny Hunt. At uh, First Baptist Woodstock okay. in uh, Georgia. And I've been to his church, uh, been to his men's conference. Matter of fact, he preached at uh, the last church I served at in Greensboro. Came up and preached on the sufficiency of the Word of God. And I rode in uh, the car with him and his wife to the airport. And uh, it was probably 9 30 at night. And he uh, actually had fallen asleep. And I asked his wife, I said, you know, I've got 30 minutes in a car ride with you to glean from you from, you know, 35 years of ministry. And I said, at what point did you begin to see the spontaneous, uh, miraculous growth that God began to do at First Baptist Woodstock? I said, what, what was the turning point? And she just said, she said, called him Johnny. She says, it all happened. It all happened. When Johnny just started preaching the word. Wow. There was no, you know, no mystical formula, no um, special. No special event, no like uh, yep. shooting fireworks off, just right. back to the word. Just preaching the word. So mm. uh, anyway, I think we should talk to each other in voice like that as we uh, 
have our podcast today. What scripture are you going to read? <laughs> what anti-gospel are we going to defend against today? We're going to talk about the real gospel. <laughs> hey, that brings me to a point. I wanted to do a segment um, each week called Anti-Gospel Facebook Post. All right. And I want to review... Uh, one of the Facebook posts that we see that is clearly anti-gospel. And this is normally from... I feel, I feel like we should have some type of anti-gospel. Let's do it together. You ready? Anti-gospel. That was terrible. Yeah, you're, yeah I think you were definitely on key. Uh, no, I was off, <laughs> which never happened before. So, okay, anti-gospel. So, uh, I can't remember who posted this, but it's probably a church member. So, you ready for it? Right, and then ahead. we'll do announcements. Okay, here's the post that I saw about three days ago. It says, if you are unhappy, change something. Quit your job, move, leave your miserable relationship, stop making excuses. You are in control. Mm. Anti-gospel! <laughs> uh, you said that was from a church member? I'm going to probably say it was either like... Uh... Gary Edwards or a, maybe a, <laughs> a, a Cliff Barnes or something. Yeah, and uh, for our other listeners. We're only kidding on that part. Yeah, we're not really calling them people out. We're just... Uh, we love them dearly. Yes. So, you know, one of the things that hit me was, you know, if you're unhappy in a relationship, leave it. Mm. Well, that's what the world thinks. Right. The world thinks that we exist in relationships to make us happy. Matter of fact, I was listening to a megachurch preacher... This morning on the way into the office, I was listening to a podcast. It wasn't his podcast because I don't listen to him, but someone else reviewing him. And he said, successful people only hang around successful people. And I'm like... Do what? I don't think Jesus did that. I think Jesus hung around the broken, uh, the downtrodden. The sinners. The sinners. You know why? I think we went a little old church on that one, really emphasized sinners. You know why he hung around sinners? Because that's what everybody was. Because there's no good, no, not <laughs> none well, righteous, no, not one. We're going to do that for the rest of the day. Yeah, you know, if you're, if you're reading something like that and, and you're married and you say, man, my, my marriage is, is miserable, I should get out of it. That's anti-gospel. And get around a successful person right go get you know have a successful spouse because that's what will make you happy right which is uh does not reflect the covenant of god it does not reflect the unconditional agape love and it does not reflect even the marriage vow which says i'm going to love you for better or for worse unconditional you know i really when i do premarital counseling i say guys when you say these vows you're not just doing a ceremony you're literally speaking your word to another person jesus said let your no be no let your yes be yes Hmm. You're speaking to that other person. I'm going to love you for better, for worse. No matter if you go crazy and end up in the loony bin for three years, I'm still going to love you because my marriage is not about my happiness. Well, and I think that shows the beautiness of, of God's grace because he still loves us. He first loved us, mm. even in our mess, in our mess up. And, you know, yes, we're, we're joking and picking a little bit about certain topics, but we don't take sin lightly by no means. I mean, you know, we don't want to embrace the world and the world of sin. No, we want to turn and, and uh, be in God's glorious grace and his righteousness and lift up his name with holy. But the fact still is the same. 
that Jesus loves us in the mess. And guess what? We're going to mess up every single day. Mm-hmm. And if it was based off of some type of condition or um, something we had to do to keep upright, then he wouldn't be the just or the justifier. I want to say it's Romans 5, 8, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Is yes. that correct? Well, yeah, Romans 5, uh, 8, where he says he demonstrated his love this way. For us. Yes, While for we us. were sinners, Christ died for us. And uh, so, mm, anti-gospel. No, yep. not one. That's right, man. So anyway, if you're in a uh, if you're in an unsuccessful relationship, uh, and I'm speaking to married people, um, mm-hmm. stay in it because the success is not based on how you feel; it's based on the fact that you've kept your word. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So let's do a few quick announcements. What's coming up first? Uh, we got the wild game dinner. Well, uh, hold on. let's go before that. Monday. Tickets go on sale for Secret Church. Yes, Secret Church. Don't 2016 that. with David Platt at Hickory Grove in Charlotte. Now, are we going to try to get a whole group of people and head there to the location? Yeah, I mean, I want to try to get bulk tickets together. How many tickets do you think we should get? I mean, last year we had probably between 50 and 75 people here, somewhere around there. Let's say 50. Say 50, yeah. right? Um, I would think him coming mm-hmm. and being at the church, mm-hmm. I would say 50 plus at least, so... We shoot for 50 to 75. Um, so if you'd like to go, contact Jesse. Right. We need to know. Uh, and I put out a Facebook post. I know that uh, Jerry and, and his wife responded. Uh, Gary and his wife responded. Hadn't had much response. A, a, a lot of people don't know what Secret Church is because mm-hmm. we've kind of had the same crowd come year after year. But I think with David Platt in person, it's going to be amazing. I know it truly blesses me every time. Uh, it's um a Bible study of like trying to put your mouth on a fire hydrant, mm. you're not going to be able to take it all in. And right. this year is based off world religions oh. of how to be able to defend the gospel against world religions. You know, in every world religion, uh, the majority, I would say almost 99% of the time, it's all based off works righteousness. Mm-hmm. Every every single one of them. And it's, uh, That's and what I told the church last night. Did you know we talked about Church of Scientology last night? No, I didn't know that. Dude. Crazy? I had no idea. Do you have notes on those? Oh, yeah. You have to give those to me. I had no idea. So, but every world religion, workspace righteousness, mm-hmm. uh, now there's different forms of how they go about it, but it all comes back to you got to be a better person. You got to do this. Mm-hmm. Christianity is totally the opposite. Mm-hmm. Christ has already done it for you, it's been completed, the finished work. So, Secret uh, Church. Secret Church. So, we need to know by Sunday. Hopefully, we're going to get this posted this afternoon or tomorrow. So, if you're hearing this, Sign up Sunday, because Monday we want to buy tickets. Yep. And we need to know how many to buy for. Uh, the, the other thing would be uh, Wild Game Dinner coming up um, last Saturday in January. Yep, it's uh, January 30th um, at 6 p.m. Tickets are $10. $10, and that is a uh, basically like a love offering, <clears throat> a donation, which will go towards the proceeds for our ministry in Haiti, um, the international sister church that is in Outside of Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, where do we stand with Haiti? Like, what? It, what's the new stuff going on? Where are we at? We got mission teams going. All right, so in the past three years, we've dug the foundation at the church. We have laid the, the first story walls. Last summer, we uh, finished pouring the concrete roof, mm. and so the first story is complete. They're running 140 worshipers down there in Haiti. Um, and now we've started a school in October that meets in the church building through the week. So Monday through Friday, the kids are meeting in the school. There's, uh, I believe, 37 children who've been sponsored meeting in the school. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, they actually just poured the concrete floor, so there's no longer a dirt floor, fully concrete floor. 
so when we go down there in June, it'll be awesome for vacation Bible school in the church building, having a floor and, you know, like blackboards and things like that that we can use with the VBS children and, and seats and stuff. But um, so we're taking two trips this summer. Uh, June, I want to say 20th through 27th will be a vacation Bible school evangelism yeah. trip. It'll be like working with the kids, uh, outreach, um, that type of nature. And then in August, there will be a construction trip, which will be building the second story walls. Okay. And after that, then they can put the uh, the wooden slats on it uh, and, and the metal roof. And it'll be, I would say, 90% done. And the, the church will be raising the money for the uh, stucco and paint and all those amenities like that. But the structure will be finished, hopefully, by the end of the year. Uh, let me ask you one question. Most people will probably say, well, then why are you building a school? Why are you building a church? Mm-hmm. Why not just uh, give them some money, give them some food, and call it a day? Why invest in these people's lives like this? Yeah, so our philosophy of missions is that um, the gospel addresses every facet of your life. Amen. Uh we don't just uh, see people saved and then think our job is done. Um, salvation in the New Testament comes from the Greek word sozo, hmm. which means whole. Um, and, and this means uh, relationally, uh, educationally, economically, all those things. I mean, no one would say that, you know, if I'm bankrupt or or you know because i spent all my money on gambling mm-hmm. but yet i claim to be a christian no one would say that's a good picture so we're addressing pro- poverty through not only spiritual education but um civil education or secular education as well i mean reading math science because we can use that we can do that podcast episode you know if these kids they don't have access to education if they don't get an education, they have no hope for breaking the cycle of poverty in their family's life. So they're not only receiving religious instruction, but um, formal education as well, so they can progress through primary school, secondary school, high school, and hopefully one day maybe even college and things like that. Amen. Well, <clears throat> we'll definitely have to do like a full podcast on that and uh, the heart behind missions and why we do what we do. So, Amen. So let's... Uh, Let's talk about our theme for the day, and it kind of follows the opening song about, you know, there's no, not one, because Christianity is the only religion that says man does not have the ability to attain his own righteousness. But you have recently encountered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, some individuals who knocked on your front door that yep. wanted to tell you how you needed to attain your own righteousness. And uh, let's let's start back. To, uh, I guess it was probably, what, four weeks ago? Yeah, when, uh, well, actually, uh, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, there was a um, a Facebook message. We In, in our neighborhood, we have a uh, neighborhood website. And, you know, <clears throat> I usually don't get on there, but Jen always tells me when someone's posting something like if they're selling their, their desk or furniture or someone needs help with something. But there's a neighborhood website for a Facebook group. And... Uh, there was a, a message probably maybe a little over a month ago about um, Jehovah's Witness coming through the neighborhood. Right. And one person was like, you know, uh, don't open your door. Don't answer it. Don't communicate with them. Just want to let you know. And when she told me that, 
I'm thinking about now there's probably several hundred people in this group. You know, you mm-hmm. think about families and so forth. That somebody has to be a Christian within that group that is seeing all this. Is seeing all this. So did anybody on the page respond in a positive manner saying, uh, hey, if everyone in the community shares the gospel with them, they're going to get the point. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, in the majority, and I probably should have got on there and, and said something, right. but I felt the anger kind of brewing. And I was like, mm, this <laughs> might not be the best to get on here and just start bashing people because right. each one was a negative comment. Yeah, like, yeah, I can't believe they're in this neighborhood, blah, 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 lock your door. Mm. That was the logist of the conversation. And so um, I started thinking, I'm like, no, I want them to come to my door. Mm-hmm. I want them to come and engage mm-hmm. and have a conversation and share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I told Jennifer that. We had a conversation about it. And uh, lo and behold, the day after Christmas, mm-hmm. guess who showed up knocking at my door? The Jehovah's Witnesses. The Jehovah's Witness. Now, yeah. I was sitting in my recliner. I was probably either A, on YouTube or something watching a documentary. And uh, I heard the doorbell ring. And I'm like, oh, who's at my door? So I get up, I'm in my t-shirt and sweatpants, uh, and not thinking that I'm going to be having a 30-minute conversation with Jehovah's Witness at my door. I'm thinking it's probably somebody dropping off a package, something from Christmas, something like that. And so I look out the little peephole, and I see them, and they're all dressed up, looking real nice, and uh, I see the watchtower in hand, Mm -hmm. uh, their magazine, uh, their literature. And so I step back, I'm like, hmm, do I not open the door? Do I... uh, do I not open the door? Do I just kind of let them go about their way? Or do I open it and engage? Mm-hmm. And so I sat back and I prayed. Because self wanted to go back to my recliner and finish my documentary and continue what I was doing. Right. But that wouldn't be a good witness for Jesus Christ. Mm. And so I said, Lord, give me the wisdom and the knowledge of your scripture. Help me be able to proclaim your word. Mm-hmm. And so I opened the door and said, hey, how are you? And so the conversation started. And mm-hmm. so I'm not going to spend much time on the first conversation Right. Uh, I want to tell you about the second one, because okay. um, we lived in the neighborhood for at least five years. And so at the beginning of the time that we lived in the neighborhood, the first two years, Jehovah's Witness would come pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. And uh, which they stopped coming once I started defending the gospel. They, they marked me off their list. Well, probably two years ago, they were going through the neighborhood, and I saw that they bypassed my house altogether. And so I said, you know what, next time they come... I'm going to make sure I engage them. Mm. So I purposely went out to my car. I had several Bibles out there, and I went to go get a Bible, and I flagged them down. I kind of waved at them, and so they came over. At that time, we had a great conversation so forth. One of the Jehovah's Witnesses said, well, this has been a good conversation. We'll come back. They never came back. And this was the last, like a year ago or something. Yes, this was like two years ago. So they never came back. They said they would come back, and then we would discuss the Scriptures. So during this first conversation with these two women, we go for about 30 minutes, and it's all works-based righteousness on their side, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sharing the gospel of grace, showing that it's by Christ, who Christ is, that he is uh, equal to the Father, mm-hmm. that him and the Father are the same mm-hmm. in, um, in being different in person, so that we believe in one God. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and so they said, well, we'll come back. And I said, well, the last time that I talked to a Jehovah's Witness, they said they would come back, but they never showed up. Mm. And she was like, nah, are you serious? Mm. I said, yes. They said they would come back. I said, my house is open to you. I would love to discuss the scriptures with you. Please come back. And so I didn't think they were going to come back. Fast forward to, what was it, last Saturday? Yes, last Saturday. Mm -hmm. 
Guess what? Her and an elder came back. Ding dong. So, ding dong. Now, I'm giving Sayla a bath, washing her, giving her a bath. I go to dry her off, and Jennifer says, well, my mom's coming over. I'm like, oh, okay. I hear the doorbell. Who am I thinking it is? I'm thinking it's her mother. Mm -hmm. But no, it's the Jehovah's Witness knocking at the door, Mm -hmm. ringing the doorbell. And so uh, I tell Jen, I'll be right back. I go out there. I say, hey, if you'll give me one minute, let me go grab my Bible. (laughs) And uh, Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, go ahead. So I said, give me one minute. Let me go grab my Bible. I'll be right back. So I run upstairs. I tell Jen. She says, go do what you do. Mm -hmm. I said, "Mm, all Mm -hmm. right. So she gave you the battle call. She gave the battle call. And uh, so I went back outside, and this elder goes, so tell me what you believe. Mm. Now, if someone asked you that, what would you say? You know what I'd say? There is no good, no, <laughs> not one. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you would say it probably just like that. But That's like, what you should do when, they open, when you open the door next time. But, but seriously, like, so... <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock. No, not one. <laughs> They were probably like, well, this guy's psycho. Don't come here. Yeah. But if someone asked you that question, how would yeah. you respond if they said... What do you believe? What do you believe? That, number one, sinfulness cannot be removed by our works. Mm. Man is inherently sinful. Every part of his being has been affected by the fall. Uh, and you look at Israel over and over again in the Old Testament, no matter how many laws they got or how much they tried to justify or sanctify themselves, they never could do it. I mean, I think the whole Old Testament is a picture of showing man that man cannot attain righteousness. Yep. They fail every time, over and over and over. And so God's faithfulness and his glory appears through Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, God in flesh. Mm. Incarnate, not Michael the Archangel, yep. not a created being, it's, you know, God in flesh, who was the only perfect one that deserved anything, and his righteous sacrifice on the cross paid for our sin, paid for my sin, so that I may know him as Lord and Savior. I mean, that's it in a nutshell, but it'd be something along those lines. And, and, and why I ask you that is, because for the majority, we may take a different approach at how we come across, but we're always going to get back to what you said at the end, that it's by Jesus Christ and who he is, and that we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but we believe in one true God. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's ultimately how I answered the question. I said, um, I believe in the one true God. I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. and that the, uh, the Son has come and that he's always existed, that he was not a created being, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that all worship, that every knee will bow to him and confess him as Lord, because that he took the wrath of the Father that was due to us. And so... That they're <laughs> going to worship Christ, right? Oh, and that's, and that's what they Because they don't, they don't like that Jesus will be worshipped, do they? No, no. And, um, and so when you have the conversation with them, you want to set a foundation. And we've probably said this before on the podcast about how we use John chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, about showing that Jesus is equal to the Father. Mm-hmm. And that if you do not hold him and honor him as you honor the Father, then the love of the Father isn't in you. Did we do that last episode about Judaism? Didn't I, we show the I think we did about divinity the pro- yeah. of the Son? Yeah. About the Messiah and so forth. And so I'm going to skip the first 10 minutes of the conversation because okay. that's basically what it was. Right. Showing who Jesus was. Right. Where, where, where did you go? Like where are some places you went in the beginning? 
First thing, I went to John chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. Okay. Give, I think us, give us a, a synopsis there. That's when Jesus he- uh, heals the uh, paralyzed man mm-hmm. Okay, on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees are um, they're mumbling, like, who is this guy? What is he doing? Why is he healing on the Sabbath? And Jesus says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Mm-hmm. And Is that where he forgives a man's sins as well? Uh, well, yes, he tells him to get up and walk. And so he walk, says, yeah. you are forgiven. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, you are forgiven, yes. Yeah. And so they're like ripping their clothes. They're upset. Who do mm-hmm. you think you are? Mm. And the scripture goes on to tell us, if you do not honor the son as you honor the father, mm-hmm. then the love of the father isn't in you. Right. And so... Which shows the equal divinity of the father and the son. Correct. Because if you honor... If Jesus was a created being and you honor him equally, then mm. you're worshiping an idol. Right. And that's where you, and that's where I like to start. Right. Now, you may start somewhere else. Right. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is you don't have to necessarily know what a Jehovah's Witness believes to be mm-hmm. able to witness to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest thing is if you go to Romans chapter 2 when it talks about the moral law written on the heart mm-hmm. and that man suppresses the truth of God, but that God has given everybody the equal knowledge of who he is by creation alone, by the moral law written on the heart, mm-hmm. that we are without excuse. And so if you just know that fact alone... You can witness to anybody right. by using the moral law written on the heart. I going would agree. To, yep, and then going to Romans chapter 3, showing that none is righteous, no, not one. So, But I like to start at John chapter 5. And yep. so from John chapter 5, verses 18 through 24, we mm-hmm. show that Jesus is equal to the Father. But then we go to Isaiah 9. Mm. And so um, if you think about Isaiah 9, why you go there is, is you ask him the question, is Jesus the Messiah? Okay, and so which which I imagine they would say yes. Yes, absolutely. They say yes, and so when you say is he the Messiah, once you go there, you say what are the names given to the Messiah, mm-hmm. and you would say, Wonderful Counselor, mm-hmm. Prince you, of Peace. You would read Isaiah nine right. six, and you'd have them you'd have them profess that you'd have them say it, and and why that is because that's key to their understanding. Mm-hmm. So you read it to me because what they're doing is now they're acknowledging something. You think about like uh, we know that we're forgiven of our sins, right? You're right. But when you go into First John, when it says confess your sins to one another, why is that confession like when you're just talking about, like when you say, hey, pray for this, mm-hmm. it makes you think about your sin. Right. You see what I'm saying? It makes you acknowledge well, something or... Yeah, and it says so that you may be healed. Exactly. Not, not so you may be forgiven. Right. Forgiveness is a different issue. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, that's why you have them read it. Tell mm-hmm. me the names. Right. What does the name say? And so once they say, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. Mighty God. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Father. Okay. Yep. So when they get to the mighty God, then they always say, well, he's not almighty. Okay, mm-hmm. so now they're trying to put something in there that that's not there. I'm like, where do you get that? Right. And so we discussed that a little bit. Um, so John chapter 5, Isaiah 9 is always key text. But then we go to John chapter 20 where Thomas, and we've talked about this before, where he professes my Lord and my God. Now, here's the response that she gave me. She said, well, he's just given an expression. So Jesse, have you ever said like, oh my gosh, or something like that. You know, plenty of people say that all the time, right? And, and, and is this still about Isaiah 9? No, this or? is about John chapter 20, verse uh, Oh, 24. where he says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Yeah. And, and so, who, who's the disciple that says that? That is doubting Thomas. That's Thomas. Okay. My Lord and, so, and my God. Yeah. We get to that part, and she says, well, uh, now the elder, he's just kind of <laughs> hanging back and listening. Right. Okay? So basically, if if he's using an expression of speech, he's taking the Lord's name in vain. Right. Right. Okay. Right. But then I said, well... I would almost agree with you if it didn't say, my Lord and my God. Yeah. I said, nowhere have you ever heard anybody give the expression, my God, my Lord, 
mm. in the same sentence. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. that's kind of stupid, <laughs> right. to be honest, right? And so I said, but he also puts the my on there. He's right. showing a proclamation. He's showing a professing of faith of who he says Jesus is. Yeah, there's a lot of people that would say, oh, my Lord. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. But no one says, oh, my Lord and my God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who talks like it that? It would just be awkward. And so, Especially a Jew back then would never have used that context as an expression of speech. Yes. Uh, I mean, because they had such reverence for yes. God. Yes. And so... Um, both of their faces, you should have seen them, they were, they were both puzzled at this point. Mm. And I said, I said, well, what do you believe for salvation? And what do you believe it takes for a person to be saved? Mm. And I wanted him to respond to tell me. He's like, well, what do you mean by salvation? You mean like a state of salvation. Right. I'm like, I'm saying, if what you're telling me about all this craziness going on and end times and stuff like that, how do I have eternal life? Right. And the lady says, well, you need to read your Bible, mm-hmm. you need to follow the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and you need to uh, obey God. So there's no uh, atonement there. There's no atonement in what that What does message. that tell us? Everything's law. Everything is law. Mm-hmm. And I Everything's said, a work of man. So when she said that, I put that little nugget in the back of the mind. Right. I said, we're going to come back to that. Right. Because she, she never mentioned Jesus. No, never mentioned Jesus. And I said, well, and, and we got on to that point. I said, well, then why did then why did Jesus come and why did he die? To make it possible for the forgiveness of sins. Is that what she said? Uh, to that, to that, you right, know. Because they always, they always believe, well, Jesus' uh, blood makes forgiveness possible. Right. But basically they don't believe that Jesus actually saved anybody. Right. You have to now, because he made it possible, it's up to you to keep everything else. Because if not, then the forgiveness is not applied to you. Does that make sense? Oh, 100% makes sense because right. that's, you know, when you look at our conversation, that's what they were saying. Right. That, yes, our faith is in him and what he did, but we still have to do this. And so the guy was, he kept going back to, he's like, well, you know, if, uh, if you mess up and if you don't ask for forgiveness, then you're going you're gonna to die and mm-hmm. you're not going to have eternal life. Right. I said, so what you're trying to tell me, if it's based off of my righteousness, if I go get hit by a car tomorrow and I have an impure thought before I get hit by that car, I have an impure thought come through my head. I have uh, maybe I just told a lie or something like that. That mm-hmm. if I get hit, then I'm going to hell. Mm-hmm. Then I have no eternal life mm-hmm. in heaven with Jesus Christ forever, as the right. scripture says, right? Mm-hmm. I said, why would I want to believe in something like that when I have the scriptures that tell me it's by grace that I have been saved right. through faith, that it's not of works, that he's already finished it, he's already completed it. Yeah. I said, you're trying to tell me to believe in something like this where I have no assurance. Right. Ultimately, you're telling me I have no assurance of salvation. Right. But I said, but we can go through Scripture, and we can see all the assurances right there. Because Scripture says, I've written these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. Absolutely. Right. My sheep hear my voice when Jesus is talking about in John 10. Faith is um, knowing what you hope for. Yes. And that no one can pluck us out of his hands. Because isn't it true that they don't believe, that they don't know if they're righteous or not at any point? I think they will, if you ask them, are you righteous, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm trying to be, but they don't know if they're righteous. Right. Because their righteousness depends on them, their works. And they don't know if they have uh, salvation. Right. They and don't so, know if they're going to be one of the... What did you call the... There's 144,000. Is that the great crowd? Right. You have the 144,000, which is the uh, the heavenly crowd. Oh, okay. The okay, heavenly that, crowd. That are in Christ, which is right. a form of Michael the Archangel. And when you get into their whole theology, 
Uh, he was a created being, by the way. Because basically, just to give a synopsis, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses founded by Charles Taze Russell. Right. Um, <clears throat> who saw all the... And, I, and I th- I'm trying to remember if this is to him or Joseph Smith. Anyway, he claimed to have translated the uh, the Bible. Right. Um, In which he used the worst two manuscripts. Well, he couldn't even, he couldn't even read well, he, Hebrew or Greek. Well, he couldn't read Hebrew or Greek. Right. What did he use? Uh, I mean... But, I, but the, he, they used the worst two tr- uh, transcripts, him and his uh, comp- composers that uh, wrote the New World Translation. Uh-huh. Okay? They used the worst two. Now, we have over 5,700 manuscripts, right? right. And like 24,000 fragments. Right. Now, you use the worst two written on, uh, I forget which skin it was, lamb skin or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, that had plenty of errors, mm-hmm. but it was a perverted version because they wanted to twist the scripture. Right, and so his whole mindset was he did not want to show the divinity of Christ. He did not want to show the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit these three as one. Right, because he had a bent agenda, which is now, why they changed John one verse one. That's right. And I always, uh, matter of fact, I had a Greek New Testament from uh, when I was in college, and the guy who came to my house, Jehovah's Witness, came several times, took him out to breakfast, and everything. I underlined in John 1.1, 1, 1, of course, we know it says in the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Greek says God was the Word, mm. right? God was the Word. God was the Word. Now, in their translation, New World Translation, it says the Word was a God. So I think it's called the uh, definite article, a, I think that's what it's called before uh, God. So they claim that there's a definite article, a God. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, basically polytheism, if he's another God, yep, um, and not equal with God, the, the only God. So I, I, I showed him the Greek New Testament where it says God was the Word. I think it's Theon Ton Lagos, something like that. Theon Ton Lagos or Lagos, something like that. And uh, I gave that copy to him, and I said, you go back and you find... Any Greek manuscript which can lead you to believe that the word was a god. Mm-hmm. And after I did that, he's, you know, we, we went out to breakfast and stuff like that, but after I did that, he hasn't called back. But anyway, I'm not sure how I got on that tangent there. But um, Well, I think that tangent was good. Um, yeah, it was about Charles Taze Russell and, and the kind of the foundation of their religion they deny the deity of christ all that right and actually i even brought up charles Taze russell to them they're like you think we're russellites is that what you think mm-hmm. no we're we're jehovah's witness mm-hmm. we love jehovah mm-hmm. and so i said well we won't get on that subject let's keep continue with the, what the scripture says mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so we got back to the word and back to the 144,000. that's the heavenly hope of the 144,000 who has been anointed uh, in christ which is in their version of christ it's a different christ different gospel that uh He's a created being, and we'll get to that in just a second about Colossians 1, because they try to use that. Um, but then you have the earthly hope, which is called the great crowd. Mm-hmm. That's everybody else. So so basically what they think is there's 144,000 who will go to heaven. Who are sealed, who are anointed, who, uh, you know. And then everyone else who is righteous enough will inherit the earth. Right. And will live here forever. And so... Which sounds like hell. That's, Basically, <laughs> that's the people that's knocking on your door. The chances are, and then when right. you break, the, I mean, you can you can always start that out with a conversation, but unless mm-hmm. you're well studied on it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it right off. Mm-hmm. So, you really need to do some some study research because they'll really try to manipulate and twist your words if you're not careful. But right. I mean, if you want to have that conversation with them, just be like, "Are you of the heavenly hope? Or are you of the earthly hope?" Mm-hmm. 
99.9% of the time, it will be earthly hope. Because right. guess what? 144,000, that's not a lot of people that's going to go to heaven. when there's. That's not a lot when there's 7 billion people in the world. Yeah, just at this time, not including the rest of history. Right, and so, you know. That's like 1% of the population. Oh, probably, yeah, not even. That's like probably 0.05%. Right. And so um, you get on this conversation with him, and this gentleman now starts speaking up. And so I let him speak, and he starts going through, and he starts talking about Jesus being a created being. And he's like, I want to show you the separation between the Father and the Son. And he uses John chapter 17, verse 3. Now, how you defend that? And this mm-hmm. is what I told him. I said, well, you look at the whole Lord, Lord's Supper here. What's and, John 17, 3 say? Uh, let me turn there real quick. It talks about uh, when the Father who sent Jesus Christ. Let's see. John chapter 17, verse 3 says, flipping there. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He's like, see, there's a separation there. He said, there's only one true God, Jehovah. Right. And I said, well, um, this is how you can use John 14 through 17, okay? At the beginning of John 14, it says, uh, when it talks about, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, right. uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. But then if you continue on, if you have known me, you have known my father also. From now you know know him, and you have seen him. Mm, you've seen him. Okay. Uh, Phil, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you, do you not believe that I am in the father, and the father is in me? The words I speak is not on uh, speak are not on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does these works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, and else or else believe me for the sake of the works Himself. Hmm. Now, throughout the rest of the Lord's Supper, Jesus clearly shows the Trinity throughout the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Everyone has like the personal pronoun. You see He, Him. Even when it comes to the Holy Spirit, because the Jehovah's Witness believes that the Holy Spirit is a force. Not a person. But over and over throughout Scripture, even in their New World Translation, mm-hmm. as you're going through it, there is He, Him. Mm. The even, hel- even in their translation. Right. About so, the Holy Spirit. And so as, as you go through, now, uh, a lot has been perverse and twisted and changed and so forth. But mm-hmm. if all else fails, they'll hold to the King James Bible. Right. You, can, you can use the King James Bible with them. Because they'll say, well, I use many translations. I right. just don't, because they know that there's such scrutiny against the New World Translation. Right. They'll so, claim that they use, like, King James or something. Yeah, they're like, I use King James. Be like, oh, you use King James? Boom, here it is. Right. Over and over throughout, you'll mm-hmm. see he, him. You'll see that the Father, the Son, that these three are one mm-hmm. throughout Scripture. And so um, he tries to start showing the separation. And then he goes to Colossians chapter 1. It says, he's the firstborn over creation. Right. Well, I said, now, continue on reading the rest of that passage. Mm-hmm. I said, when it says that he is the firstborn over creation, that in him, through him, and by him all things were created, whether heaven or on earth. Right. He is before all things that his name might be preeminent. Right. I said, every knee will bow and worship to him. And I said, when you think about Revelation chapter 5, who are they gathering around? They're gathering around the throne, and they're gathering around the lamb who was slain from the foundation of earth. They're giving him worship. Right. Now, Throughout Scripture, it would show you, if you're giving anything worship that is a created being, that is idolatry. Right, right. Okay? 
And so you can't worship anything but God alone. Exactly. I said, now who did uh, who did Adam and Eve see in the garden? Mm. It said, no one has seen the Father. But if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, only I have seen the Father. Okay. Mm. Who did Adam and Eve see? It was Jesus Christ. The before he was the incarnate Christ that came and dwelt among us. Mm. Okay. I said Hebrews chapter uh, thirteen verse eight says he was always yesterday the same yesterday today and forever. So wait a minute, you're telling me that in the garden was the eternal Son? Yes. Well, even if you look at the language, it mm-hmm. says we should make man in our image. Right. Okay. Who so is the he? one walking in the garden was basically Jesus pre-incarnate. Exactly. Hold on. <laughs> That's my mind being blown. <laughs> well, and so what and about in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Who's there? Oh, Jesus. My, hold on. What about up on the mountain when Moses is having dinner? Jesus. Hold on. Let me wipe my brains off the computer screen right now. Mind blown. And you, I mean, over and over and over, Right. you see Jesus throughout Scripture. Right. He is the beginning and the end. That's why he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Mm-hmm. I am the first and the last. You can't be that if you're a created being. You can't be the first and the last. You can't be... Uh, Ever present mm-hmm. as he is, and so we're, t- we're we're talking about this. And we're discussing this. Um, we get to Romans, back to Romans three. Okay, that's and where said, we're going to conclude, and, and we'll wrap it up with this because yeah. actually this is the end of our conversation. Yeah. Uh, with this guy, I said, "See, everything you're telling me is all based off of you, mm. and everything I'm telling you is based off of Him, mm. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, paid my debt for sin, took the wrath of the Father." be able to reconcile me. And so I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm able to go in gratitude and tell the world of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. Right. And you're going trying to tell people of law, mm. trying to put them under a burden. Mm. And I, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm not trying to come down on you, but I said in Romans chapter three, when it says that he is the justifier, yep. he is the just and the justifier, meaning that he is the one who is righteous in the right standing and, and makes righteous and he makes righteous yep. and he can make you righteous by what he gives you faith as a gift. Yep. And I said, uh, he is the atonement. Mm-hmm. Everything is about him. I said, and that's when you go to Philippians and in Revelation, when that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Just as Thomas said, my Lord and my God. It all rests on his shoulder. That's why he's the Prince of Peace. That's why he's the wonderful counselor. And so when you're, when you're sharing these things, don't let them try to manipulate you into thinking that he's a created being. Right. No, Jesus has always been. And I've even met Christians who think that the Son is not equal with the father just because they say i mean we had a lady in our church uh let's see i was talking about witnessing the jews on wednesday night and she said wait a minute did you say jesus is god and i said yes she says well how is he god's son if he is god and there's a logical misconception in our you know our western society has a problem with that how can Jesus be God and God's Son? And that's the mystery of the Trinity. I mean, that's the glory of the Son. Yep. Ever-present glory with the Father. That's why He's the Lamb who is receiving the worship in heaven because He is equal with the Father. Right? On and on and on. But um, I've even met Christians that have that same misconception. Well, we wrap up with this. Okay. And so we're finishing it. We're hitting on those points about He's the just and the justifier. I said, see, I said... What does the scripture continue to say? That we're all sinners. Mm. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is eternal life. In whom? Jesus Christ. And I said, he imputes righteousness to me. And he stepped back and he says, well, what's this word impute mean? Mm. I said, it's accredited to. Yep. I said, your bank account is... Propitiation. Yes. I said, your bank account is completely negative, mm. empty, zero. 
you have a debt that you cannot pay. Come on, Dave Ramsey. Oh, I'm telling you what. And so he, he's like, well, you're not telling me what impute means. I said, listen, again, impute means credited to. I said, think, if, you, to. think if you're in a courtroom, the judge, the father, mm-hmm. is about to put a sentence on you, but yet the son comes, the only one who can fulfill the wrath of what the father is about to give you, mm-hmm. put credits to your account as righteousness, what? His righteousness because ours are filthy rags. And I said, so everything that you do that's based off of your righteousness is filthy rags for holy God. But everything that Jesus Christ accomplished, his finished work was glorious and perfect. And he took the wrath, the full cup, and he drank it down, and he turned the cup upside down. Mm. It is complete. And so uh, with that being said, he, he kind of stepped back and was like, well, uh, we're going to have to go today. Didn't he say you were well-versed in the Scriptures? Oh, yeah, yeah. He said, well, you're well-versed in the Scriptures. He's like, <laughs> I like that. And, I, and you know. Um, it's amazing what happens when you actually read the Bible. Well, and, it, you know, it goes back to John chapter 14 through 17. If he'll listen to what the Holy Spirit says when it's describing yep. him as that personal person. Right, because a force can't say something, but a person can. Exactly, and it says that the Holy Spirit will bring remembrance of the Scripture yep. to you. Yep. That he will help guide you. He will be a witness to what the Son has accomplished. That's why the Helper comes. He says, this is what Jesus did. He took the wrath. This is what uh, the Messiah fulfilled. Yep. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does, and that's what he accomplishes. And so it's not based off works. And we wrapped up with finishing that, but before that we even read in their Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. What does it say? In Ephesians chapter 2, even in the New World Translation, verses 1 through 10, and I would would encourage this with anybody. said Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians okay. chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We all know verses 8, 9, and 10. For by right. grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself is a gift of God, which he has prepared good works that you should walk in them. Right. But if you start verses 1 through 10, it shows that that grace, that mm. we were all dead in our sin and trespasses. And it's mm. only by Jesus Christ that we can be saved. Amen. So, that was pretty much the story. And he said he would come back. And so I'm going to hold him to it. So if he's out there, my house is open to you. Come and let's study the scriptures. And praise the Lord that God brought that and, uh, you know, allowed you to not only witness to him and share the gospel with him, but use that as a training session for uh, this podcast for all our listeners. Amen. Um, We're going to conclude today on a worship song. I think it's by a group. I don't know who originally did it, but this is a group called House Fires. And uh, it's a new song that my wife introduced to me called Good, Good Father. Mm, The Chris Uh, Tomlin song. And you know what I was reading in uh, New Testament? where Jesus said, call no one father but God alone. Mm. And Isaiah 9 says he is mighty, or I'm sorry, that he is everlasting father. Yes. So what does that mean? He is, he is God. He is the good, good father. So it um, doesn't mean he's the same person. Right. But that his essence and his mission is equal. So friends, be blessed. Happy New Year to you all. Any last words? Uh, I want to leave with one quote. Okay. One quote from uh, Dr. James White. Oh, good. And uh, he says this, talking about the Jehovah's Witness. Hold on, I'm going to give you a little background music. It's going to be awesome. All right, give me a little background. All right. Dr. James White says this, It's amazing how far a cult will go for a lie and what they will do for that lie. But yet, us Christians, it's amazing how little we will go to tell the truth. And so um, that should hit us at the heart. Because we have such a good, good father sharing the gospel. And if these cults are willing to tell this lie, we should be willing to tell of his truth and his purpose for his namesake. Amen. That'll preach, brother. Amen. God bless you guys.
Do I?